Welcome to the Business Tune-Up, the podcast that'll help you find your business spark. You'll hear great stories, learn quick tips, tools, and ideas from two top-tier business coaches that each bring their own experiences and perspectives. Candice and Jim are both passionate about what they do and share the same goal to bring value, inspire, and help each client they work with reach their full potential. This podcast gives you business insights through genuine, authentic, and fun conversations. Here are Candice Eckstein and Jim Cummings. Hey, Candice. Hey, Jim. <laughs> How's it going? I just feel like when you come out with that intro, the only thing for me to do is to come out with the exact same type of a hello to you. <laughs> it's not natural, though, but it's <laughs> it's what I kind of did. Anyways, I'm great. How are you? What do you mean it's not natural? Come on. Everything you do is natural and sincere. Oh, gosh. Well, it is sincere, but hello, Jim. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jim. I really think we should... Uh, uh, we talked about this. I think we should release our video on one of our podcasts coming up because I think people would really enjoy seeing that wonderful, smiling, beautiful face of yours. And, uh, you know, they say that uh, something like something between 60 and 80 percent of human communication is nonverbal. Right. We we pick up all kinds of cues from uh, our body language. And I think our audience would really enjoy watching us do our thing. What do you think? I think it's definitely a possibility for 2023. Um, body language and nonverbal communication is a huge part of communication. So I do agree with you on, on that respect. But I also have no doubt that you will make me blush and, uh, and the listeners or audience will see different <laughs> shades of red, which I will be okay with, uh, you know, consciously. I promise I will be on my best behavior as I always am. You know that. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm going to segue right into our topic for today, because depending on how well you behave during that podcast will determine how happy I am during uh, that podcast. See, so you, happy. You always make me happy. So there you go. Aw, well, thank you, Jim. I uh, And I'm definitely just teasing you. I think it would be fun to try and do a, a podcast with video and we'll figure out if we're going to continue to do it on Zoom as we've been doing it, or maybe we'll get together and record that one live, but we'll figure that out. And I look forward to doing that some point in the new yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. All right. Tell us uh, what we're going to talk about today. So for today, we're going to talk about happiness. And I use the term a little bit loosely because I think part of the discussion and the reason Jim and I decided that this would be interesting to chat about today is because really, what is your definition of happiness? And when was the last time you sort of took the time to pause and think to yourself, am I happy? What makes me happy? And again, happiness could be fleeting moments. You get your driver's license, you get a scratch lottery ticket and win 50 bucks, right? Obviously, I would assume that those things make you happy in the moment. But in terms of sort of sustainable happiness, Every day, you know, are you happy with with the job that you do, with the business that you own, with the team that you lead, with the culture that you're surrounded with? So our podcasts are are definitely more of a business sort of leadership, you know, focused discussion. However, happiness would translate between, you know, your personal life and obviously your professional life. So that's the topic for today is really to talk a bit about 
happiness through the lens of different perspectives. Oh man, what a, what a huge topic, really. Um, and you know, it speaks to so many different things, as you say, in a business context. It, it talks about culture, a business's like an organization's culture. You can foster a culture where you've got a happy workforce in general, or you can ignore the culture and it will happen organically. And quite often, I mean, there's been lots of studies done where if you have even one bad apple, they can poison the whole bushel and you end up with a lot of very unhappy people because management isn't controlling the dialogue and the behavior of uh, people within the organization. But okay, let, let me ask you this. What, what, how do you define happiness, I guess, in a business context? Yeah, so that's a super interesting question. I think each person would have to look at their own personal situations and, and define what's important for them. I can tell you some of my own personal, you know, things that I guess contribute to my happiness as a business owner, or even when I was an employee of a business and things that come up during discussions with my clients. And some of those things are obviously your, your compensation, you know, financially at the end of the day, what is it that you're taking home? And so I would say that compensation plays a part into your happiness and compensation could also be, you know, vacation time benefits. It's not just, you know, the number on your paycheck. So I say compensation holistically I would say a lot of people, um, and myself included, certainly over the last few years, we've noticed um, the importance of flexibility and being able to either work from home, work in the office, manage our time. If you have kids, it's been important to be flexible. There is a bus driver shortage, certainly in my, my neck of the woods. And so I don't know every morning, is my kid going to have a bus driver to take them? To school. And so for me, happiness at work is allowing myself to be flexible with my schedule. And I and that that word has come up a lot in discussions I've had with people. I would say another huge component to feeling happy is also feeling valued, being in an organization or part of a team where you're feeling valued, that you're feeling heard, that you're feeling that your contributions matter, that your feedback is taken into account. As you said, a, a thriving culture, I would say that also contributes to somebody's happiness at work. And then I would say the last thing that sort of comes to mind from recent discussions I've I've had with folks is happiness is also having the autonomy to take time off when you need to. So having personal days or mental health days is something that matters a lot to people to be able to have that as, as an option when they feel it's necessary. So those those are some of the ways that I would define happiness at work. I would say actually the last thing too is also reaching your potential. You know, I guess part of what I said before was it's it's about feeling valued and that sort of from feedback from people around you or giving feedback. I would say, you know, from a personal perspective though, it's, you know, what does it mean to you to reach your potential? And do you feel like you are, you know, working every day at your potential. So I would say that also impacts, impacts your happiness. What about you? What would you say? Oh, I got all kinds of ideas, but I just want to touch on a couple of things that you said. Like you, you mentioned right off the top, compensation money is mm -hmm. contributes to happiness. And I agree that, you know, a working 
people need a working living wage, right? In order to be, you can't be happy at work if you're, you don't know how you're going to feed your kids, right? However, how do you square that against the fact that study after study has shown that people are willing to take less money if they get to be appreciated at work more, if they get to work in a, uh, as you said, I don't know if you use the term purpose, but if you have a purposeful career that you feel you're really contributing, people are willing to take less money in order to do that. So it's, I guess what I'm saying is it's not necessarily about the money all the time. And yet people think it is. So I don't disagree with you. And I don't say that money or compensation is the one and only factor that contributes to happiness. I would say that it's part of a number of things because if you are in a situation where you've got the luxury or the latitude to take a less paying role to, you know, climb, you know, the corporate ladder or do whatever you're doing with, you know, with a bit of ease, then yes, that's one thing. I guess I was coming from the angle if you don't know every week that you're going to have enough money to buy groceries, that you're struggling to pay your rent or your mortgage, that the heat's being turned off. So you really are in a situation where you're living paycheck to paycheck with the inflation and everything that we're dealing with, you know, it it is tougher today. So I I was coming from the perspective of if you were so stressed about not being able to, I'll just say buy groceries, then I do think that's going to impact how happy you are going to work every day. I I agree. I the the reason I bring that up is that um I had something come up just Yesterday, in fact, one of my clients, she had two employees. And of course, this is partly because of this crazy employment market that we're in right now. But they both announced that they were leaving to go to other organizations for more money. And that was not the only reason, but it was a big contributing factor that she couldn't afford to pay them. And somebody else basically poached them away from her. Okay. And she called me yesterday because she said, you'll never believe what happened. Both of them within a day of each other, after two weeks of having left the company, called her and asked for their jobs back. Both of them. So in other words, the grass definitely wasn't greener. They got to the new location and realized very quickly just how good they had it with her company that she had created. And I know, because I work with her, obviously, she has an an amazing culture in her organization that people who work there are guaranteed to get feedback from her, positive feedback, constructive criticism. They know where they stand and they all feel like they have a purpose in her organization. And for whatever reason, these two, well, for money, they decided to go and they both said they wanted to come back. You know what? I think it's wonderful, your client. And sometimes it takes leaving to recognize how good you have it. But and that's why I started by saying it really is a personal decision. Some people are driven by money, whether they have to because they they need the, you know, the finances or just having, you know, a higher salary is what, you know, lights a spark under them. And so it's not really for us to judge you know, what somebody defines as happiness for them. Um, because again, we're all, we're all different, right? So from, we've been talking about employees, but what about if you're a business owner? You know, we've often said it's lonely at the top. Who, you know, who do you get to 
complain to, <laughs> right? Which is why we encourage people to get a business coach. One of the reasons is because you can't, you know, complain to your employees. You can't because half the time they're the issue. You can't, well, and besides it's just unprofessional and you can't bring it home to your spouse because that's just going to put stress on your personal relationship. So what, what do you do if you're stressed out and you really don't, you can't talk to your friends because they don't really know what it's like to be a business owner necessarily. They don't know the stresses you have. And again, it's just going to put stress on your personal relationships. So I guess for a, for an unhappy business owner, what, or what, I guess what I'm asking is what do you do to keep yourself buoyant as a business owner? Yeah, I think first of all, it's recognizing that no matter what your title is, whether you're an employee at an organization, you're part of the management or leadership team, or you are the owner of the company, that at the end of the day, you're a human being. And as a human being, you know, we have different drives and desires and different things sort of light us up and, and certain things make us feel not so great. And so as a business owner, I think it's asking yourself the same question, in my opinion, you know, am I happy? Is the business thriving and, and moving in the direction do I want it to? You know, am I meeting the goals that I set out for myself? Did I set realistic goals for myself, for my team and for the organization? And if you're feeling like you're in a slump and you're not happy coming to work anymore, it's taking that step back and, and thinking about why is the culture not going in the direction I want? And if that's the case, what am I going to do about it? How am I going to enforce change? How am I going to, you know, turn it around? Am I still passionate about this business? And, you know, do I, do I need to delegate more? So I think it's about really taking a step back and saying, if I'm not happy, why am I not happy? And then, you know, working with either a coach or a trusted advisor or having a strat session with your leadership team and talking through where are the pain points and what are the gaps and how together can we, we turn it around. Communication is key. We talk a lot about communication, but not first starting and saying that there is a challenge or there is an issue and then not talking about it is not going to push it forward. So I would also say before I take a breath and let you talk is to say, I feel, and again, these are just, you know, my opinions. I'm, I'm certainly no happiness expert by that's, any that's means. That's why we're here. It's for our opinion. So don't worry about that. Yeah. I, I really believe that happiness is a choice. And, you know, going back to the fact that we are all human, that's not going to say that we're not going to wake up and be in a crap mood or, or feel like someone pissed on our cornflakes or we're just blah, right? We're full of emotion and we're going to have our moments, but it, it is a choice and it's up to us to sort of turn it around. What's the saying? Turn that frown upside down. <laughs> this would be one of the times that we would be on camera and we would be showing our smiles, but I'm just saying happiness is a choice. So if you're not happy, whether you're an employee or you're a business owner or you're a leader, it's your choice to do something about it. I, you know, you're absolutely right. Happiness is a choice. In fact, one of my favorite sayings is life is all about choices. You, you know, if you can't choose the nature of the situation you're in, you can still choose how you respond to that situation. And so if things at work are stressing you out and making you depressed and unhappy, you can, you know, identify it, first of all, 
what it is, the causes of the, the problems, see what you can do to affect the change. And if you can't, then can you adjust your attitude towards it? And let me give you an example. And I, I, I just saying, okay, it's very common. You hear this all the time. Terms like, I hate Mondays, or it's hump day, referring to Wednesday, right? Or GIF, right? What are these phrases saying? They all add up to, I hate my job. And I can't wait to get out of here. Well, think about that. If you allow yourself to go down that road of, you know, the, the hump day TGIF route, and you, you get this idea that work is something you're supposed to hate, you spend a third of your life at a career, at a job, doing something. For heaven's sake, can you not change your attitude about it so that it becomes something that you actually enjoy doing. And I have to tell you this quick story. And I may have told you this before, but I, I was, this was years ago. And it was some kind of motivational speaking event that I was at. And one of the speakers came out and he said, I was hired by this car dealership to come in and work with the staff to help with the culture and motivate staff. And he said, my first day on the job, I walked in and the owner was shoulder to shoulder with me. And I walked in the front door and walked right up to the receptionist. And I said, hi, what's your name? And she said, Nicole. And he said, hi, Nicole, tell me something. How much money do you make? And she went, uh, and she looked at her boss and she said, uh, 35,000 a year, right? And he yeah. goes, Nicole, how would you like to make 70,000 a year? And the owner's face lit up like his eyes turned into saucers, like, what the hell are you doing? And she went, yeah, you bet I'd like to make 70. And he said, okay, Nicole, for 70,000 a year, would you come in early every day? And would you stay a little bit late and get your work done for the next day? Yeah, you bet I would. He said, would you always have a smile on your face? Always treat your fellow uh, colleagues with respect and joy? And would you treat every customer like they were the last customer on earth? Yeah, you bet I would. He said, now, Nicole, would you do that for 35000 a year and just let it hang? Yeah. And of course, it kind of hit home to her, right? Like, no, I wouldn't do that for 35000 a year. So the point is, if she had all those traits, if she was that kind of employee, she could probably earn. 70,000 a year because she'd be worth that much to the to the company. And I'm not sure if this really pertains to happiness, but I guess my point is if you're a happy employee, good things happen. The money comes. You know, like you if if you radiate joy to everyone in your organization, they want to be around you. It's good for business. You know, it's it's good for the culture. It's good for everybody. And that naturally, management is going to want to keep you around and they're going to do whatever they can to keep you over, which includes compensating you appropriately. You know what? That's a fantastic story. I hadn't heard it. You hadn't shared that one with me before. And most organizations do have either semi-annual or annual performance reviews. And part of the performance reviews does have either a merit increase or a bonus or a profit sharing. But to your point, there is some sort of a compensation piece tied to a number of performance reviews that different companies do. And you're right, from the, the people that I 
worked with. Part of it has to do with the actual day-to-day operations and scope of responsibility of the person's role. But another part of it is, is how does the person show up? How accountable are they? How positive are they? Are they a team player and a you know contributor? Blah 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 blah. And so yes, I I think happiness plays a big part of that. Part of happiness, I do believe, is is within your control. But then, as we know, life throws curveballs, and there's certainly a number of things that might happen in an organization if if you're not the business owner that are out of your control. And so I would say that if you are struggling at work, if you're not excited to go to work, you're not really enjoying your, your job anymore, then you do need to speak about it. And you do need to book some time with your leader or your manager. Well, I wanted to ask you that you took, you're taking the words out of my mouth. I wanted to say, how do you approach? Because this is, I mean, I don't have much experience with this, but I can remember back when I was in my 20s and I was working in Toronto and I had issues that I was really upset with. And I sat there stewing for hours and days trying to decide how I was going to approach my boss to talk about this. So have you got some strategies or ideas about, you know, what's the the right way to approach somebody, how to bring it up? Well, yeah, sure. I would say my recommendation is first is, is you never want to have a conversation or send an email or a text or or communicate if you're in the moment, you're flustered, your buttons are pressed, emotions are high. I think it's about stepping back, taking a deep breath and figuring out when is the right time? Is it an hour later the next day? Is it a week later? I mean, I personally believe addressing things as close to in real time as possible is the best approach, but not if you're you're so emotionally charged that you know that you're not going to be able to have, you know, a good conversation. So figuring out when when is the right time for you to have have that conversation. I would then say what is the best means of communication? Sitting down face to face with the person. If you're in different offices, is it having a virtual Zoom or Teams or or Google Meets call? Is it sending a professional email? Is it having a scheduled phone call? So figure out, you know, what is the best way to address the problem with with your leader or with your manager and come prepared to the meeting. You know, I would, if it is something that's really bothering you and emotions are involved, you want to try and think about sort of all the facts and be as objective as possible versus being subjective. So you're really saying, you know, these are sort of the facts. This is, you know, why it's not working. This is the solutions that I've tried. And that's the other thing. I think as a leader, we much prefer having somebody say, this isn't working or this is a problem, but providing a solution or a recommendation. You know, I would suggest, could we try it this way? Could we, you know, do this or that versus just saying this is the problem and this isn't working. And then try and define some next steps. What are you guys going to do to try and fix the problem to move it forward? And I would schedule potentially a next meeting again, depending on what it is, is it the next day, the next week, the next month to gauge how it's going? And I guess ask your boss, your leader for some ideas too, to say, I'm not sure if you've heard this come up before. What can you offer to me? Do you have any suggestions or or recommendations? But I think the key is communicating, not sitting like you had mentioned and stewing about it. It's just going to fester and it's going to get worse and worse and worse if you keep it inside. Yeah. And as you say, you have to own your own response to to issues. Like I remember once a psychologist told me that, you know, when we're 
upset or stressed or depressed, there are extrinsic causes for that and there are intrinsic causes for that. And so extrinsic, of course, is things that are outside of us that are affecting us. And then intrinsic, are it's our own self-talk, right? It's, it's us talking, uh, creating our own issues on our own depression and anxiety and whatnot. So it's interesting, I think, to identify if you're unhappy at work, is it outside factors or is it you that are the problem? And so putting some thought into those things, now make a list of what the problems are. And in my case, it was mostly extrinsic things. I was stressed out. My my problem was, you know, anxiety and stress, which is, I mean, we live in a society now, I we are the stressed out generation. I mean, when I say we, I mean, I'm talking about everyone who's alive right now on the planet is we are stressed out in the Western mm-hmm. world anyway. You know, think about it. They work, not just work, but we have such complex lives now, having to deal with family, you know, kids, elderly parents, um, you know, we've got careers now. Everyone's expected to have a career. There's all these pressures on us and we're just not happy about it. So identifying which, you know, if, you, if you're at work and I'm unhappy, I'm at work, I'm sitting here, I'm not happy. Now, maybe it's boredom. Maybe you work in a really large organization and you don't feel that you're contributing anything that you could literally, my sister used to work uh, for the, the government and she's retired now, but she used to say, you know, Jim, I could die at my desk and I don't think anyone would notice for days. <laughs> she she had no sense of purpose. She didn't feel like she was contributing anything. So in her case, she was unhappy, but it was boredom and, and, a, and a lack of purpose, right? I don't know. Starting out by identifying what is the cause of my unhappiness, I guess is what I'm saying. Then go to your superiors. But then I, you also mentioned, you know, have prepare, prepare what you're going to say. We're getting into negotiation now, right? It's like, know what it is you want to achieve here and have questions and, you know, know uh, what, you know, what your limits are in terms of um, what's appropriate and being polite to your superiors and then ask them, have a conversation, communicate. Yeah, exactly. And so I think of, you know, an example is if you're looking to um, advance your career, right, and you feel like you're not being challenged or you're not getting maybe as many opportunities as you like, it's it's identifying, you know, how else can you contribute and are there other steps that you could do within the organization to, you know, develop your skills and go in with some recommendations. But you bring up a great point in it, and it's how we sort of started this whole conversation and it's identifying the why, you know, why have you lost your spark and why are you unhappy? And even though it might be showing up at work, it could be spilling from something in your, in your personal life. So it's really just, you know, affording yourself the time to pause, reflect and sort of figure out what's important to you. And so that's, that's more what we were talking about um, from the perspective as an employee within an organization, these are some things that you can do to move the needle forward. But if you are a leader or a business owner and you're noticing that people are unhappy or a person is unhappy, you also need to then take the initiative and 
talk to that person and offer support or communicate. And some of the most probably common signs that you would notice that somebody, I guess, even within your leadership team, that is maybe as unhappy as they're complaining. You know, every other thing is is a complaint. Um, it's a bad attitude, very sort of negative Nelly. I don't even know who came up with that saying as a side note, negative Nelly. Poor Nelly, anyone named Nelly in the world. Anyways, I digress. Squirrel moment. But you know, being negative or having a bad attitude. Just, someone, just, just as a sidebar, my grandmother was named Nelly. Oh, you had to tell me that. No, I'm no. Sorry. She okay. was a miserable old lady. <laughs> oh, okay. She was she was definitely a negative Nelly. Was she okay? Well, I'm sure for the lovely, very positive, upbeat Nellies out there. What a what a shame of a term, but what was I going to say? Yeah. So taking, you know, a lot of sick days um, or a noticeable increase of sick days is, is probably a sign that the person's maybe not happy or certainly a reason to maybe have a conversation. And then also a decline in productivity, right? It's the performance of a person that's unhappy or not motivated anymore. Likely their performance is is going to be impacted. So as a leader, as a business owner, if you notice any of those things happening, then it's probably a good idea to pull the person aside, schedule a meeting and just ask, how's it going? Right. It's not about pointing fingers and saying, hey, you've taken a lot of sick days lately. No, it's about saying, because, again, you don't know what's happening in that person's world, but just saying, hey, I just wanted to touch base. How's everything going? and have a conversation, an honest conversation, genuine, authentic conversation with that person. I, you know, I think you need to create an atmosphere where people feel they don't feel threatened. They feel that they can share their feelings with you, with management. That's the first thing. And I used to practice what I called MBWA, management by walking around. (laughs) So I, I would basically walk around the office and I'd walk, you know, stick my head into somebody's cubicle over their shoulder and I'd say, hey, how's it going? (laughs) And after the initial shock of, oh, my God, he's standing over me. (laughs) I mean, I I wasn't a threatening human being, but, you know, I'm still I own the company. So they they feel a little bit, you know, not threatened, but there's a, a certain distance there. Right. Anyway, after that subsides. I would just ask them, how's it going? What are you working on? Tell me about what's going on. And basically I'm asking, are you happy? Mm-hmm. Right. And it was mm-hmm. their opportunity to basically tell me if they're not like, I have this problem. I have that problem. I have this problem. And it was their opportunity to get my ear directly without having to set a meeting with me and have a list and an agenda and all that crap. Just tell me right now, like, what can I do to make your career and your life better? And uh, it was really useful for me. MBWA, management by walking around. <laughs> That's fun. I'd, um, I'd say the last thing that I, I wanted to bring up today or that kind of I think about um, happiness, there's, I guess, two parts. One is when you're taking the time to sit back and ask yourself if you're happy or if you find yourself in a bit of a slump and you're not happy, you know, is that related in any way to failure or to the fear of failing as a business owner, as a leader, I guess, honestly, as a person, it doesn't matter what your title or, or your vertical or, or occupation is, is, you know, failure is a big part of, of success. 
failing isn't easy and it doesn't feel good in the moment, but there's obviously lots of learned opportunities and lessons in there. But obviously, if we fail, which I can't imagine anybody's immune to, to not experiencing failure at some point, it obviously doesn't feel good in the moment. So has failure impacted you know, where you are in happiness? And if it has, how can you move past it? And what can you learn from it? And, and my point is just not being stuck right, in failure. I wanted to ask you about, because you know a thing or two about emotional intelligence, and can you draw parallels between what you've learned there and happiness in the workforce? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked. That was actually the last thing that I that I wanted to bring up. So emotional intelligence is something that makes me happy to talk about and, and something that I'm actually really passionate about. And when we look at the emotional intelligence model, you know, your, 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 the complete model definitely influences your happiness, right? And with EI, we typically define happiness as how satisfied you are with your life. Again, sustainable happiness, long-term. How, how happy are you in your personal relationships and with the career that you're in, how involved you are within your community? But specifically, um, there's four parts of emotional intelligence that influence your your sustainable happiness and so that's optimism and we've spoken a bit about having you know the importance of having a positive attitude right the second part of emotional intelligence that influences your happiness is called self-regard and that's really about believing in yourself and having confidence in yourself Uh, the third piece is what we refer to as interpersonal relationships and that's really about, you know, how you're connecting with, with people, you know, again, professionally or personally, and are they fulfilling relationships? And then the fourth part is called self-actualization. And that's when we say that happiness comes from the willingness to learn and grow, right? It's about evolving and, and developing your skills. And so those four parts of EI influence what we call your well-being or your your happiness. And so those are really four important parts to look at in your life. And if you're, you know, when you do take the time to ask yourself, what does happiness mean for me? Or or, you know, am I as happy as I could be? Are any of those four things, self-regard, optimism, self-actualization, or interpersonal relationships, are any of them I don't want to say lacking. I mean, maybe they are, but are any of them lower than you would like them to be? And um, I think if you can target maybe why you aren't feeling as fulfilled or or satisfied with your life, then you've got an opportunity to to fix it or put strategies in place to sort of move the needle forward. You know, a couple of things you, you, uh, you talk about optimism and self-regard. Um, a term that's come up a couple of times for me recently, I've bumped into people who have actually independently said to me, I think I have imposter syndrome. And I thought, what the hell is that? <laughs> what are you talking about? And basically they're saying, I'm I'm in a position with this big title and all this responsibility. And I don't know how I got here because I don't feel, I, I'm really on shaky ground. I don't feel qualified to do this job. And it's really undermining my confidence and I'm becoming indecisive and and I'm unhappy. So that's interesting. Breaking that down and saying, 
am I optimistic? You know, is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? Am I an optimistic person? Do I always look for what the positive outcome could be in this situation rather than look for what the negative outcome could be in this situation? I'm not saying, you, you, you know, you need to put on your rose colored glasses and be all Pollyanna about everything. But yeah. being an optimist is a good thing. Self-regard, having some respect for yourself. Look in the mirror and you're not all that bad. Like, you know, the other thing to remember about that, for me anyway, is that you are the only one who knows how you're feeling inside. And when you look around the room, everyone else is feeling the same sort of insecurities you are. You're not the only one who's insecure. In fact, they're probably way more insecure about themselves than you are. So keep that in mind, you know, whenever you feel like you don't regard yourself quite so well. Interpersonal relationships, you know what, we're human beings. I mean, one of the number one things that we crave is the respect and admiration of other human beings. Just being told, way to go, you did a good job. Or mm -hmm. I really like your hair today, it looks nice. Stuff like that goes so far into, you know, helping people feel better about themselves and you'll get it back. You know, if you start giving that stuff out, you'll get it back. And lastly, you mentioned self-actualization. You know, there's that is that if I'm not mistaken, is that not the pinnacle of Maslow's hierarchy of human needs? Right. Is the the very top of the triangle is self-actualization. It's the it's the very pinnacle of human achievement. Um, and at the very bottom, of course, is your base needs. Right. Your security and your survival basically, right? And then everything else in between. I don't have it up in front of me, but you can just mm -hmm. Google Maslow's hierarchy or Maslow, mm -hmm. you know, you'll see what they are. So you're right. Self, self uh, actualization. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And I don't want to oversimplify things, but I like to, you know, I try and I take very complex ideas and make it so that I can understand them. And my understanding of emotional intelligence is basically being sensitive and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but being sensitive and aware of other people's feelings and other people's motivations and other people's concerns, and then adjusting your own behavior and thoughts to be more uh, willing to uh, to be more accommodating of other people's needs. In other words, do the right thing. Am I right about that? So you are. That That's. You, yes, yeah, so you are. Emotional intelligence is obviously based around your emotions and it's the ability, I guess, to manage your own emotions um, so that they're expressed appropriately. And it's also about the social interactions that you have. So how do those emotions right impact the people um, that are around you? You were talking a little bit about empathy, being able to put yourself in somebody's shoes, which is one of the subscales of emotional intelligence, but it's not, you know, just focused on that. So I would say overall, yes, I'll give you an A plus. Oh, no, 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 please. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, I think we're, is there any, are there any other things you wanted to cover here about happiness in the workforce, in the workplace? No, you know what? I, I don't. I'll, I'll say sort of my last bit and then I'll let you sort of close it off for us. But I think that it was an important topic to talk about because we all have moments that we're not as happy probably as we could be. And I think something that we're not great at, or I'll say I'm not great at, is 
taking the time for myself to to figure out maybe why I'm not happy. We get so busy in our day-to-day lives that we just go from one day to the next to the next. And then it's six months later. um, And I'm sort of over-exaggerating, but the point is, is take the time for yourself to think about, you know, if you're happy as a business owner, as a leader, as an employee, as a human being, and define for yourself, what does happiness mean to you? And then are you living your best life? Are you living your definition of happiness? And if you're not, why aren't you? And what changes can you make? And at the end of the day, remembering that happiness is a choice. So there, that's for me, that's the big takeaway. I mean, life happens, right? We have good days. We have bad days. We have good days at work. We have bad days at work. But really, you can choose if you're going to be happy about, in general, about things. Doesn't, you know, again, good days and bad days, but am I a happy person at work? And that's your choice. And uh, you have control over that because even if you don't have control over the situation, you control how you respond to the situation and controlling your emotions and not allowing yourself to get into petty talk about, you know, other people and, you know, politics and how they're, you know, she did this and he did that. And I, you know, la, 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 stay away from that stuff. When you do have an issue and something else that you said I thought was good was deal with it deal with it. Don't let it fester. You know, if you've got a problem with somebody else, take the appropriate measures to talk about it and get that situation solved. There will always be colleagues that you have who are just difficult and you won't get along with them. And that's just life. Um, That falls into the category of something that you can't change, but you can change how you approach it and how you feel about it. Absolutely. And I guess I, I lied. I said, I'd give you the last word and here I am <laughs> something else. But there's a, there's a quote that I love that I'll, I'll, I'll use. And it really is just remembering that life is an address rehearsal. And I actually use that quote on the back of my business cards because I love it. It really is, is for me so meaningful, right? We get one, one shot at it and there isn't uh, any, any do-overs, right? It's about maximizing the next opportunity. And yeah, sometimes life throws you shitty curveballs. And sometimes, you know, you, you have the right to feel not great or be upset or be pissed off and you should feel those emotions, but then, you know, sort of pick yourself up and and move past it and um, enjoy every day. And so with that, I'm going to throw it back to you and say thank you for the chat today. Well, Candy, I'm happy. You make me very happy. <laughs> and I'm really happy that we're doing this podcast together. I have absolutely no complaints. So, uh, me too. Well, with that, I'm Candice. And I'm Jim. And this is me. <laughs> we never know who's going to say it. Today, we both did. This has been the Business Tune-Up. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Business Tune-Up Podcast with Candice and Jim. Got a question about something you heard today? Want to learn more? Connect with Candice or Jim through LinkedIn and send them a message. Thanks for listening. And until next time on the Business Tune-Up, continue to find your spark.